Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money podcast. I am Eric Garcia, certified financial planner and joined by my co-host Xavier Angel, certified financial planner, newly minted certified financial planner. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here, be on the show with you. Um, I know we've been talking about this for years. Um, getting that CFP behind me now has allowed us to to finally move forward and start these podcasts. So great to be here. You can finally start working again. So if y'all caught our last show, that was a great show with uh, Phil Blancato on inflation. Xavier was supposed to be on that show, uh, but we had some technical tea. Technical technical difficulties. We're really good with money. We are less good with technology. So Xavier, it's good to have you here. Today, what we're going to be talking about are two ways to increase your net worth in 2022. But before we do that, I'm going to ask a favor of y'all. If y'all like what you're hearing, do me a favor. Go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcast listening app. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. Also, if you have any question about money, if there's something that that you've just been itching to ask us, I know I had multiple conversations uh, over the holidays with different people asking me some random questions about money that are going to become topics of this show. We'd love to hear from you. So if you go to stuffaboutmoney.com, stuffaboutmoney.com, there's a place where you could ask us questions. And who knows, maybe your question will become a topic of one of our episodes. But before we before we hop into this, Xavier, I'm looking behind you on the windowsill. Is that a blow pop that I see up there? Behind that you? is a blow pop. That is a blow pop, Eric. Where? Thank you for that. Where, uh, so for those, the, you know, so Eric and I have been going back and where? forth over the past eight to 10 months now. Uh, These blow pops have just been showing up all over the place. We're just big but kids. But I think I've gotten, we're just yeah, big we, kids. we are. But that that Wait, keeps that keeps it. So gr- context, context, context. I come to the office one day and there's a giant box of blow pops on my desk. Xavier's like, take it home for the kids. My kids don't eat blow pops. Xavier, you take it home to your kids. I've got 16 boxes, he says. So I put the blow pops in his office. A couple weeks later, they show back up in my office. So that I randomly place some blow pop blow pops in his office, and then I come home one day or come to the office to podcast one day, and he's got. Blow pop. I don't know how you managed to do this, man, but you had blow pops like threaded <laughs> through the microphone. So I pull the mic down and, and blow pops fall. So we've been kind of going back and forth. So um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, but but hold on, Eric, before what? you go, what? you got to tell them about the best one, your birthday present. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my birthday. We um, went, we ran to the house, my house, to grab some some Cuban coffee uh, for the day. And we come back to the office and we work. So I get home 
I'm getting ready to go to bed. On my pillow is one of Xavier's business card with a little happy birthday message in a blow pop. That was good. That was good. He, uh, he definitely had an accomplice in that one. Um, I, I told you when I first started, you know, when we started um, working with each other that uh, I'm a big kid. So I, I, right. I love being a kid. We'll save blow pop, more blow pop stories for another day. But let's get into two ways to increase your net worth in 2022. So Xavier, why does net worth even matter? What is net worth? Net worth is is your assets uh, minus your liabilities. Why is it important? Uh, a lot of things that we do, um, it, people are going to ask you, "What is your net worth?" Um, you know, if you go get a loan, uh, go to purchase a house, these are things that the banks are looking at. So it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a financial scorecard, people. This is a good way to measure how you're doing financially, and it's a good. It's a good thing to measure over time to see if your financial uh, standing or your net worth is increasing. So Xavier said, it's all your stuff, everything you own, right? Fancy word is assets. Minus all that you owe, fancy word is liabilities. That little formula, all you own minus all you owe equals your net worth. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. All right, so I'm going to name real quick the two ways to increase your net worth, and we're going to jump into this, and we're going to unpack it. So the first way, right, is to increase what you own, right? And that simple formula, if I own more stuff, my net worth is going to go up. And then the the second second way way is if you decrease, you decrease those liabilities, then your net worth is going to go up. Reduce what you owe. So there's two ways to increase your net worth, increase your assets or reduce your liabilities, so let's jump into this. Let's start with assets. So assets, those are, those are uh, that's everything that you own. So an asset is something that's got an economic value, meaning that uh, it can be sold or exchanged for something else of value. An asset, it's a resource that can be used to generate future economic benefits like a, a stock, right, or a, a mutual fund. It's mm-hmm. invested, it's earning interest, it can, it can generate future economic benefits. Your checking accounts, your savings accounts, 401ks, um, now, okay, IRAs. So those, yeah. those, those are what we would call liquid assets. So we can, we can break assets down into further categories, right? We have liquid and, and illiquid assets. So you're correct, talking about, right. yeah, you're talking about checking talking accounts. Talking about the, correct, the liquid assets. Yeah. So let, let's start there. So uh, bank accounts, that's my savings account. That's my checking account. That's my, maybe, I don't know, a CD at the bank. These are deposit accounts at the bank that's probably not going to earn much interest. But if I save more money, I've got more in my bank account and it's going to increase my net worth. Correct. Um, some of the other ones that you're going to have, Eric, that are out there, is going to be those um, investments that you have, whether it's uh, the traditional IRAs, the 401ks, um, you know, any one of those accounts that you can put money into on an ongoing basis. Yeah. So if you're saving more at your 401k at work, you've just increased your net worth. If you've uh, dropped, the, made a, a Roth contribution, you've increased your net worth. All things remaining equal. Obviously, there's a lot of variables in what you can do with your money. But if you build up those liquid assets, 
you're increasing your net worth. So the other asset that we, we talked about are, these are e-liquid assets. Now, the, what's the difference between, give me, run down real quick for our listeners, David, the difference between liquid and e-liquid assets. The liquid assets are going to be those assets that I have access to within, you know, 24 to 48 hours. If I need, if I need assets or money, cash right now, I have access to it. The illiquid assets are going to be the assets that I don't have. They're not readily available for me to get access to. Yeah, they're it's going to take me some time. They're hard to turn to cash. So you know, bank accounts, stock investments. You can you can turn those to cash so long as it's correct. Relatively, relatively quickly. But liquid assets, you, you can't just go ahead and and turn to cash. So an example of a right. liquid asset would be real estate. Real estate, your car. Car. Business. Business. So those yeah. are gonna yeah, those are gonna be those illiquid assets. So I've got a house. I own my house. And um I owe on my house. So my asset is represented by the equity, what I have left if I were to pay off my loan and sell the house. So that um I mean I'm think I'm thinking about that, particularly kind of coming off the market that we've been in, where we've seen real estate kind of skyrocket, shoot through shoot through the roof in, in some places where houses are worth 15, 20, 30 percent more. So if I'm tracking my net worth, oh, what do you think about this? This is how this is how I see it. Tell me if I'm off base here. If I'm tracking my net worth and I've got a house, and two years ago it was worth three hundred thousand, and then today it's worth four hundred thousand. Typically, I'm not going to put 400000 on my net worth statement or for that value, that asset, because, I mean, the market's going to change, and more than likely, I'm not selling it right now. So I'm probably going to track it at a at that $300,000 rate or maybe a little bit more uh, just because I'm not right. I'm not really – I haven't really done anything. To- and, you know, one of, the, one of the questions that I get on a regular basis, Eric, um, is if that house right now is – you know, it goes up to four hundred thousand, but I still owe two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars on my mortgage. You know, what is the real net worth or the value of that house? I get that often. How, what would you tell people? Yeah, I mean, the real estate. Real estate's a lot of people think real estate values don't change that often. They think that real estate is 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 safer and more stable than let's say the stock market. But like, if we were to track, if we were to track the value of real estate on an ongoing basis. Real estate would probably be as as volatile as as the stock market, uh, if not more. I mean, think about it, like if if we could track the real time value of your house as a hurricane was in the Gulf, the value of your house would probably drop. You probably wouldn't be able to sell it, and if you were to sell it, you probably have to sell it at a really low price. At the end of hurricane season, I bet you the value of your house goes back up. So when we're tracking the value of our house, our house represents an asset that we're that we're using. Right, we need to live somewhere. It's a, it's a, you call it a use asset. So that's why I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow the value of the house that I'm living in. Now I'm talking about my primary residence. I'm not gonna let the value of my house that I'm living in impact the the annual my annual net worth because I'm not looking to sell it. I'm not doing. I haven't changed anything to increase my net worth. So I'm probably gonna keep my house value at a stable at a stable. Uh, value, if that makes sense. That when, does. When I'm tracking my net worth. Now, if I own rental property, that's a little bit different. You mentioned another liquid asset was was a business. I start to see rental property more in the business category, um, where I've got this asset that's generating revenue for me. I may be buying and selling. I may be flipping. 
So that that's an asset that I might track the the, the current real value if, they, if that makes sense for my net worth, uh, for my net worth statement. All right, and and that does as well. Now another illiquid uh, asset that you and I discussed earlier today was automobiles. Ooh, you know? yeah. And, and that's a is, big one. People is a car is a car even an asset? <laughs> I would argue. I would argue. I, I, I would argue that as well because uh, you know in a. Previously, when we were discussing that, so if I go out and I buy a seventy-five, eighty thousand dollar car, is that an asset on a, on my books for seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars? No. Or is it less? I don't. I don't think so. So, like, if if someone says, "How do you track the value of your car on your net worth statement?" Okay, here's how I would, and I'm talking about your car that you drive. If we're talking about collectibles. That's a different category. That's a collectible. It's an antique. That's a different. That's a totally different category of asset. We're talking about the car that you drive every day to work. I would say this: an automobile is a depreciating asset, meaning it will be less worth less, not worthless, worth less tomorrow than it is today. We know that for for sure. Okay, you you could argue with me that during the pandemic, cars actually appreciated in value. That's an anomaly. That's not going to happen every year. So. As a general rule of thumb, your car is going to lose value. So I don't care if you're driving a $100,000 car today. Unless you plan on selling it today, do not track that car in your net worth statement as $100,000. I would track it. It does have economic value, right? One of the definitions of, of an asset is economic value. I can exchange it. I can sell it for money or trade it in for another car. So on your net worth statement, I would prob- the way I would track it, is I would probably try to forecast the value of that car into the future when I'm going to get rid of it. It's a little bit of, Eric, of a guessing game. I've had a couple people ask me, as we're sitting down and we're planning, um, if they go to Kelly Blue Book value, can they use that value and put that on their asset uh, sheet? That that whatever that costs that the Kelly Blue Book value is stated in that car is. I mean, so personally, if I've got that... Yeah. No, I was going to say, personally... When I track my net worth, I don't even put the value of my cars on there because I know they're depreciating assets. So I, I I actually leave them off. Now, we you can track it on there because there is a value. I traded in my car earlier uh, or at the end of 2021. Um, we, we are recording here at the end of 2021. By the time you listen to this, it'll be the beginning of 2022. But I traded my car and I got money back. So I did get economic value for it. So technically, it was an asset that I could have been tracking on my net worth statement. But I was more concerned with tracking the the net worth from a perspective of like the actual behaviors, the actual things that I am doing that's going to increase my net worth, not just by chance that something is appreciating or, or depreciating, if that makes sense. No, that, that does. And, and I'm sure our, our listeners agree. Now, I got something to say for our business owners out there. For our business owners, the majority of our business owner listeners, the majority of their net worth is probably tied up into their business. So now, if you're a business owner who has a business that you're building your business to eventually sell, obviously your business, and most businesses have an economic value. You, you, can, you can turn around and sell it. So as you're building your business, you are increasing your net worth, which is cool. One of the, one of the, 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 the things that I like to tell business owners is be careful that the major, be careful, be cautious. 
here's here's the 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 cautionary advice is if all of your net worth is tied up in your e-liquid business that still puts you in a in a spot of potential danger if you have an event to where you need cash so i'm a fan as i'm tracking and building net worth is i i like to sure build those illiquid assets to the extent that we're able to if we own businesses or or own property but make sure that we're increasing those liquid assets that gives us some margin that gives us access to cash in the event that we have one of those shock events those big expenses come up that we need to get cash on get our hands on cash pretty quickly so what's a what's a good way uh, to begin to grow our net worth then if we know that assets you know, the more assets we have, and as we can de- 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 decrease our liabilities, we're going to grow our net worth. What's the best way to go about that? Uh, okay, so so since we're talking about increasing assets, there's really only one way, and, and I'm kind of looking at those 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 liquid assets. There's really only one way to increase those assets. It's to save more money or invest more money. The way to do that is to spend less. So if I spend less and I'm able to build up those assets, that, I mean, that's really the only way to do it. And, and is there spending less? For those that come to us and ask us, well, I don't know if I can really spend less, but I may be able to save a little bit more. You know, is there a strategy behind that that they can do? I get well, that I mean, question well, wait, 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 hold on. So they, they can't spend less, but they can save. The only reason they can save more is because they're spending less, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. I spend less, I'm saving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said there's there's three things that you have to do to have financial success in this world. One is spend less than you make. Two, save as much as you can. So like there is a direct core. Hopefully, if you're spending less, that money, that extra money has to go somewhere. So saving it in an account. Now, we, we could talk all day. What type of account do you save it in? Right now... The purpose here is if you save it, that's a good thing. I'm more interested in seeing you save money at this point. So it may be I'm going to cut going out for lunch five days a week. Let, sure. me, let me pack my lunch in, and that way it frees up some money that I could come in and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and save X amount of dollars. And sure. that's going to help me yeah. to grow my assets. Sure. I mean, there's all kinds. You cut. I mean, take your pick. We all spend money on things that we regret spending on. How about this one? If you work for a company, just go ahead and increase the deduction into your 401k. You probably won't even miss the money. So if you're if you're contributing three percent of your income, increase it to six percent of your income. I guarantee you, you will not miss that money. Well, I can't guarantee you. You probably won't miss that money. And then the next year, go back and increase it another. Three percent. So, that's um, that's that's number one. Increase your assets. So the second way we can increase our net worth is to decrease our liability, decrease what we owe, or reduce our debt. All the same thing, right? And and Eric, let's let's talk about liabilities for a second. Okay. Is there a difference between good debt and bad debt? Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, there certainly is debt that is better than other debt. So when we talk about, um, when we talk about debt, it's really hard. It's really hard to make it in our society today without having any debt, especially early on, especially when you're, when you're building, when you have a young family and you're building, right? I mean, who pays cash for a house, 
right? You have to borrow to buy a house. It's kind of hard sometimes to buy a reliable car if you need a car for, for you know, to get you to and from business. Uh, if you start a business, sometimes it, you need to borrow capital to, to start the business. So here's how I think about good debt versus bad debt. Money that you borrow or debt that you accrue for, for consumeristic things, I'm going to spend it. I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to go buy expensive clothes. Um, maybe uh, I'm going to say car, but I'm going to say a luxury car, more car than you actually need. To me, that is debt that is being created uh, to support or to, in a consumeristic standpoint. Debt that you incur as an investment of some sort, right? I'm going to borrow money to go to school to get a degree that's going to earn me a higher income, that's not that's not a bad deal. I'm going to go borrow money from the bank to hire a staff person who's going to help me be more productive, therefore earning more money. That's 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 a good use of debt. I got to go live somewhere, and I can go rent for two thousand dollars and pay somebody else, or I can go buy a house, get into a mortgage, and pay two thousand dollars. Well, that so long as that's an affordable payment, that's. That's okay debt, but the credit card debt, that unsecured, that high interest debt, man, it is, that is the antithesis of building net worth. We could, we could do a show, one thing that you can do to reduce your net worth in 2022, and I would just sit there and talk about take out more high interest credit card debt. <laughs> so if I'm sitting here and I've got all my debt, I'm looking at everything that I owe right now. I've got my student loans. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. my home, my house, the mortgage. Yeah. I've yeah. got my car. And then I've got all this credit card debt. Where should I start in 2022 to begin to reduce that debt? Oh, man, that is a, that's the, that's the uh, million dollar question. Uh, so, I mean, re- really, really easy. We're going to start with the worst possible debt. It's the debt that's costing you the most. The way we determine what debt costs us the most is high interest rates. Is th- that credit card debt? I think yeah. the average. I, I'm making this up. I think it's I read this recently. Got to be around one. No, I, I think it's like I, five, I was gonna six, say twelve. No, I, I think I, I read recently the average credit card debt is somewhere between five to six thousand dollars per American. So it's somewhere oh. in that range. Uh, now That's actually debt, lower than what I thought. Well, I think I think what, what you're thinking of is the average. Just debt in general per Americans could be higher once you factor all all things in there. Student loans, mortgage, all that. It's higher than that. But I think the average credit card debt's about six somewhere between five and six thousand per American. If you're paying, let's just say twenty percent on that credit card, okay, and you're paying the minimum. Which is high. Which is high. It's probably not the highest. I've seen twenty five, twenty six percent. Let's just say twenty percent. And you're paying the minimum. So you're not reducing what you owe. You're just paying the interest on that. What's that? Uh, we're looking at a thousand, you know, a year, twelve hundred dollars a year, just an in interest. We're not. We're not buying anything. I'm not. I'm not taking anything home from the store. I'm just paying interest on things that I already bought in the past. So Eric, what you're telling me is if if I get that minimum payment, that minimum payment is seventy five dollars, and I pay that. So are you saying that a majority of that is going towards the interest, just the interest? Oh, I think you know the answer to that question, Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. 
and, and, and it is. You know, when yeah. you pay those minimums, the majority of that is going towards pay the interest. So that's where I would start there. I would start with with high interest. That'd be the first place I would start. Look, if you if you're in debt, I, I get there's situations where you need credit cards. Sometimes, I mean, some things happen, and and you just you know, all of us, different people find themselves in different situations in life. So I get it. But as a general rule of thumb, if you are in debt, if you are not paying your credit card off at the end of the month, stop using it. Stop using it. Every time you swipe it, that thing that cost you $10 is probably costing you $12, $13, $14, maybe $15. That might be a little little much, but that's the idea is that you're never getting out of debt. You're constantly paying these high interest rates. So just stop using it completely. Go go to cash, get a debit card. You know, a debit card represents money in your bank account. You can only spend what you have. For I don't care. You can say, well, Eric, but the points are good. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you have if you do not pay your credit card off at the end of every month, I don't care what kind of points and rewards they're throwing at you. The credit card money is making you, you the credit card money is making money on you hand over fist. And it's foolish to think that you're beating them. Well, they're giving you all of these incentives because they know, as you mentioned earlier, that that debt is there. Most people are not paying those credit cards back on a monthly basis. That's yeah, where they're so, making their money. So that, that's where I would say I would start there. You know, we, we were talking earlier about uh, cars and auto debt. Like most of us, we need a car to get to work, to do our things. So there's, there's a part of owning a car that I would say is an investment in our in our ability to earn an income. So we have to have a car. But you know what? If if I'm going to drive, if all I can afford is a Ford, then I don't have to go buy an Audi, right? We, we have to buy cars that make sense within our budget. So um, so from an auto standpoint is, and, and you know, we're talking about what to do to increase your net worth in 2022. If you're out there looking for a car, maybe you buy a, a, a less luxury brand vehicle out there to keep your note as low, um, uh, as possible. Xavier, we're talking about student loans earlier. Um, that's kind of hard to avoid these days. College is outrageous. It's, it's getting, it's outrageous. It's, it's outrageous. Ex- expensive. And we were talking about, so what's what's an acceptable amount of student? This isn't going to help you in 2022 right now. I mean, if you're thinking about going to school or sending a kid to school, this might help you. But yeah, what, the industry, what does the industry say? Like an acceptable amount of student loan debt to take it, on is? It's going to be equal to that, uh, to your annual pay when you get out of school. So like if you're first expecting- year, yeah. If you're expecting to come out of school and get a job that pays you seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars, then that acceptable rate is going to be seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars, not the hundred and twenty-five or hundred and fifty thousand. But if we're trying to improve our net worth for twenty twenty-two, you already have potentially have student loan debt. Um, that would be something I would look at. Here's the thing about student loan debt that's that's crazy to me. One that school has gotten so expensive, but man, student loans are like mortgages these days. It's amazing to me how how many people are paying on these things for 15, 20, 30 years. Um, it just doesn't seem to go away. When I came out, mine was over 24 years is what it projected to. I mean, it's it, a it is. It's, it, it, a is. it is a mortgage. That's a mortgage. And, and, I, and I'm seeing some of these kids come out now with these astronomical amounts that they owe. So in 2022... What can we do to begin reducing that? Is there a plan for it? Yeah, I mean, let's go back to 
what we said in <laughs> increasing your assets, spend less than you make. So part of part of building your net worth, right? There's two there's two sides of that equation, building your assets and reducing your net worth. I would say I would say this. If you have high interest credit card debt, I would save enough to get you through, you know, uh, an emergency if something were to happen, a few thousand on the side. And then I would start attacking the heck out of uh, high interest debt. That, that's where I would start. So so you're you're impacting both sides of the equation. You're increasing your assets a little bit and then decreasing your debt. Now, here's the thing. As you decrease your debt and you pay off credit cards and you pay off student loans, the mortgage, I would say this, the mortgage would be the last debt that I would that I would go after. Your mortgage is collateralized by your house, meaning if you can't pay it, you have this asset that um, that is backing that mortgage or, or backing that debt. So that's the last place I would go to. Um, but as you pay off your debt, as you pay off one credit card, that frees up a lot more money to go towards those other debts that you have to accelerate your your student loan payoff to accelerate paying off your car note. And hey, on, on cars, let me make this point here. Just like student loans where we're seeing these things amortized over like, golly, decades. Have you noticed that car loans are being um, amortized over, I think the average, Do you, here we go. We're about to do a show on this. Do you know the average, um, the average term on a car loan? I think, uh, what, six years? 72 months. It's actually just under 72 months. We're, we're financing cars longer and longer and longer and longer into the future. And what that's doing is it's tricking us into thinking that we can afford uh, more car than we really can. We're, we're buying more. No, like I get cars are expensive. Um, but we don't, we, don't, we don't necessarily need all the bells and whistles in the car, especially, 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 guys, if you're in debt. I mean, look, if, if, you're, if you've paid off your debt and you're saving for your retirement and you can cash flow a fancy car, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the person who tells you not to buy something nice. And I am going to be Eric, a person gonna, who says, go ahead. I'm going to take it back one, one step because uh, you did mention something um, earlier. You mentioned make sure that you've got a couple thousand dollars set aside in that bank account. Well, as we're looking at paying this debt back, is there a strategy on how much I need I should be saving or what I should have in my savings account? So this this is where uh, this is where we need to put the personal back into personal finance. Um, this is this is a little this is kind of tricky. So the industry will say, Xavier, you should have three to six months of your living expenses in an emergency fund. Well, I mean, three to six months, that's a big that could be a big number for some people. Let's say, let's just say. Let's take two examples. It costs you five thousand a month to live, so that's saying you should have fifteen to thirty thousand dollars in an emergency fund. I'm gonna sit here and tell you, if you have fifteen to thirty thousand dollars in an emergency fund and you're carrying credit card debt month to month, I'm gonna say we need to get rid of that credit card debt ASAP. That we're we're gonna have a smaller emergency fund. Uh, we can build that back up later. This is what I would. This is how I counsel people and advise people in this area. Think of the think back over maybe the past, you know, three or four years. What was like the the biggest shock event that that you needed to come out come out of pocket with some cash? It could have been like a medical deductible or something. Was it a thousand? Was it two thousand? Was it your your AC 
um, breaking in, in mid-August in New Orleans. Hell, was it Ida that blew through New Orleans and you know the insurance company didn't pay you enough for your, your, your roof claim? What was that number? And then maybe that's the number we target to start. And I think that's a great, a great point that you just mentioned is Hurricane Ida. You know, I think when we, that, that is, that gives us something to gauge how much we're going to need in that emergency reserve. You know, how long are you outside of your house? How long are you not working for? You know, what type of income or, or what do you need to cover from a bill standpoint? Yeah. So it, it certainly is. It certainly is. It, building your net worth is not a it's not it's not a one time event. This is something that you're going to do over over your lifetime. Over your lifetime, you know, tracking your net worth. It, it's simply taking an inventory of all the stuff that you have and all the and all the all the stuff that you owe. And over time, we want to make sure that what we own is outpacing what we owe. So this is a process that's going to build. Um, your, your financial situation, you know, we, we do something with our clients called the financial health snapshot. It's a snapshot, right? It's a picture, uh, of kind of where you are today because tomorrow that's going to look different. The advice I give you today might be slightly different than the advice that I, and certainly that Xavier will give to you tomorrow. So again, that goes back to putting the personal back into personal finance. So as we go into 2022, one of the goals, I think this is just prudent money management. This is this is good financial stewardship. One of the goals should be to increase your net worth. Now, we don't have to increase it by 10 or 20 or 30%. Again, this is a journey. This is something you would do over time. We want to increase your net worth. Let's start by just simply increasing your net worth. If that means you reduce what you owe by a few dollars, then you've increased your net worth. If it means that you save a little bit more in your emergency fund, you just increased your net worth. The idea is that we are, over time, that number is trending up, not down. That's great advice, Eric. And with that said, one of the things that I, I would recommend that you do is sit down. You know, Look at what your assets are. Put your net worth, your liabilities down. Look at where can you make those changes? How can you decrease those liabilities? and increase those assets in, in 2022. All right, y'all. So 2022, we're going to increase our net worth. Just like Xavier said, it starts with taking an, an inventory. If you've, if, you're a, if you've ever tried to borrow money from the bank, especially if you're a business owner, you got to provide your personal financial uh, statement. Uh, this, is, this is basically what we're doing. Pick a debt or two debts that you want to pay off or, or impact and just make a plan real specific to that one, um, on that one account or pick an account that you're going to increase, whether it's your 401k, a savings account, an emergency fund, whatever it is, make a commitment to it, work towards that, work towards that goal. And look, if you meet that goal before the end of the year, set another one. So thanks for listening. We hope that, um, we hope that these are valuable lessons that you didn't learn in school that we can bring to you now. It's never too late to start making good financial decisions. Appreciate it. We want to thank you guys for listening and tuning into our podcast. And if you guys do, if you like this, we do ask that you guys share this. Send it out to your friends, your colleagues, uh, but go ahead and share our podcast. Thank you.
Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.